Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning. Welcome to Worship with Downtown Church. I'm Dawn, one of the pastors here. 
Please pray with me. Holy One, we give thanks for this day and for the sun waking up the sky and the snow bringing us joy. Jesus, take hold of us now. Make us aware of your presence with us, stirring in us a hunger to be good, to be real, to be redeemed by you. Amen. Let's stand and sing. we all fall short of God's goodness. We all do. But it doesn't mean that we live in shame. Rather, we live in a state of repentance, of being willing to turn around, to change our ways, acknowledging that we are all unfinished. Not one of us here is complete. And acknowledging that we all need a savior. 
So knowing that and having hope and faith in a God who welcomes us back, let us now say the prayer of admission found in your program together. Friends, let us pray. Creator God, hear our prayer for the mending of our hearts torn apart by our unkindness, for the healing of our souls wasting away from despair, for the forgiveness we seek for the sin we commit without remorse, for the reconciliation of the world whose division poisons us. We pray for the courage to admit our fault, the strength to amend our actions, and the hope that your grace awaits us. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, hung from that cross, he looked out on the crowd who was crucifying him and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Friends, forgiveness is the gift that we are offered over and over again. Forgiveness leads to reconciliation and reconciliation leads to God's kingdom. Maybe so here and in our communities, amen. We're in a sermon series right now on Paul's letter to the early church in Rome. And we're calling this series Myth Busting. Uh, It's a way that we are digging deep into the theology that Paul presents in this letter. We're, We're just looking at one myth at a time. And today's myth is we've got this. So I invite you to open up your program to follow along with me as we read Romans 7, beginning with verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, 
If I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who? Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Are you all thankful for that word from the Lord? We've got this. We've got this? We've, we've got this. That's been one of my mantras recently, you know, as the world continues to be unpredictable and things get tough and we have to start, you know, working with contingency plans. I slow down, right? I take a deep breath. And I take stock of what hasn't changed, what we know to be true, what we can actually do. And then I say, we've got this as a way of taking control. I quickly follow that statement by God's got us because I'm not naive. I know that as much as we can control some things like our breath, and our actions, there's a whole lot that we don't get to control. We cannot control people around us. We cannot control a virus. We cannot control the weather. It's a dance really between what we can control and what we can't control. And if you asked three people right now, where that line is between what we can control and what we can't control, I guarantee you would get three different responses. Some say, some say we have self-discipline and that we should be held accountable for every single one of our actions. Who's in that group? Oh, come on, some of you, yeah. Others of us say that we are at war within ourselves that we will want to do one thing with our mind, but then if you watch our actions, we might be looking a little bit different. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand if you're in that camp. Still others say, you know, it really depends on the day. Depends on how much sleep I got, if if I ate well, how I'm feeling, you know. Some people say it depends on the hour. Like if you get me in the morning, I am good, but come 8 p.m., I see some people laughing. You know, 8 p.m., some decision fatigue. I don't even trust myself with that bag of Cheetos. This is what Paul is talking about. That's what he's teasing out for us in the scripture 
Paul definitely falls in the gray territory when it comes to self-discipline. He says that we are at war within ourselves, that we are made good, that we want to do good, but sin just keeps messing us up. Arisha Connor, who is um, one of our amazing singers, she's also an incredible actor. And she played a role in a Hulu miniseries this fall called Dope Sick. She played uh, the role of the nurse to Michael Keaton's role, who was the doctor. He's a doctor in rural Virginia and in the mountains of their town, the workers in the mine suffer chronic pain. We're talking like debilitating pain. And so in order to help his patients manage this chronic pain, he prescribes them an opioid that has been marketed as non-addictive. Well, over the course of the story, we see that the opioid is indeed addicted. We watch as one character after another changes behaviors, personalities, Not only do they become addicted to this substance, but their relationships suffer. And some of them, many of them, die. They become foreign to themselves. I can see them saying what Paul says in our scripture. I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want. I do the very thing that I hate. These characters, they're out of control of their own minds and their own bodies. They cannot will themselves to make the better choice, the healthy path for themselves. And don't get me wrong, they have a choice. We all always have a choice. But they are fighting this addiction that makes their flesh hungry for that which is not good for them. Yeah, we don't have to experience addiction to know what Paul is talking about. Have you ever had a negative thought about a person or situation? And then that one negative thought, it just creates its own next negative thought and then a next negative thought. And before you know it, you are spiraling in negativity. Like before you know it, it's been two hours and all you've been thinking about is that negative thought. It's eating you up. Paul calls that sin. For it's not just the act of harm, but it is the very thought of harm that we have to be aware of. Who is innocent of negative thoughts? Only Christ. Who is free from sin? Only Christ. Who is able then to free us from our sin? Only Christ. It's why Paul says, who, who is going to rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is a well-known Christian. He might be the most well-known Christian for he has written half of the New Testament of our Bible, which is the best-selling book in the whole wide world. And Paul, this kind of celebrity of a Christian, if you will, Paul chooses to share publicly 
in writing for generations to see that he struggles with sin. Y'all, he chooses to write in the first person. He writes, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He could have made a writer's choice to use a different tense. He could have said, you do not do what you want, or we do not do what we want. He could have couched sin more collectively so that we're sharing that burden, but he doesn't do that, y'all. He makes it personal to himself. And he does this because he needs us to know that he doesn't, he's not better off than any one of the rest of us. He is not perfect. He wants us to know that. And he wants us to know that we are not alone in our sin. The only thing worse than struggling with something that just keeps pulling you down is to feel like you are the only one in the world dealing with it. It's like the first song that we heard in worship today, the one the musicians brought to life for us. We have those thoughts, I'm alone, no you're not. I'm alone, no you're not. No matter what sin is eaten at you, no matter what sin I'm struggling with today, we are not the only ones. Paul strips sin of its power by calling it out, calling it by name, making it personal to himself, speaking openly about it for generations to come because he wants us to know that we are not alone. I have a friend who is two years sober. Thanks be to God, I am so proud of her. And when I'm talking with her, she can recognize the alcoholic in her brain. She can have conversations with it. And by doing so, she lessens the power it has over her. It is amazing to watch. That's what Paul is trying to do here. He's naming the sin out loud. He's sharing it with other strangers, those of us who will never meet him because he's stripping it of the power it has over him. Paul also opens up this paradox for us as Christians. If you look with me in the scripture, he addresses this mix that we all have of goodness and of sin within us. In verse 18, he says, I know, I know that nothing good dwells within me. That is in my flesh. He lifts up, I can will what is right, but then I just, I just don't do it. Here he acknowledges how real sin is, that it's a part of him. He's echoing back to Genesis, to the original sin, to those first humans named Eve and Adam who were tempted in the garden. You remember that story? They were in this beautiful, blissful garden with God. Everything was perfect. And God said to them, hey, listen, you can eat whatever you want except from this one tree of knowledge. Remember that serpent comes Serpent says, y'all know why God doesn't want you eaten from that tree? It's because then you'd know all the answers. Then you'd have the knowledge of God. You wouldn't need God. You could be a God of your own. And of course, they take that forbidden bite and immediately, what do they feel? Shame. Y'all, we all got that sin inside us. We all want to be God. We want control of all the things. We don't want some murky line where our control ends and God's begins. Not one of us is perfect or free of that sin, only Christ. 
Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The second part of the paradox in our scripture, it comes in verse 22 when Paul says, I delight in the law of God in my inmost self. Paul's affirming that we are good. We do delight deep down. We we are good. We want to do good things. God made us in God's image. We are good. It's just this sin is a part of us and it just keeps distorting what is good. It's important for us, y'all, to lift this up, especially those of us in the Reformed faith who take sin very seriously and talk about it. We have to make clear that though sin is real in our lives, it does not define us. We are made good in God's image. We are beloved children of God first. And not only are we good, but when sin comes in and starts distorting things, Jesus is more powerful than that sin. That negative self-talk, Jesus is more powerful. That addiction, Jesus is more powerful. That harm that we just keep doing to ourselves or to the people around us, Jesus is more powerful. Thanks be to God. The theological term that we're discussing today is total depravity. Reformed theologian John Calvin named that for us. Total depravity means that though God created us good, sin distorts the good. We are twisted by evil and we need Jesus, our Savior. I got to tell you, yesterday um, our elders were together for the retreat and one of the elders picked up on the fact that I was preaching on total depravity to said, and they said, really, Don? Like on our Sunday when we're getting ordained, you're just gonna remind us how bad we are? Sorry, yeah. We all need a saver. You may may not feel evil. Like I don't walk around thinking how evil I am. In fact, I can convince myself, I probably could convince you that I'm pretty good and that what I do is good. And y'all, let me tell you, that's part of my problem. Because no matter how much good I go about doing, I'm not fully aware of how my actions or my inactions are negatively impacting the people around me, God's creation around me, generations to come. I don't see how sin is fully at work within me, but I'll tell you what, it doesn't take long for me to be able to confess the sin that I do see. I see it primarily with people within my household. You know, the people that are closest to me What's that saying? You, you hurt those you love the most. That is true for me. While I had COVID earlier this year, my sister, thankfully, luckily for us, not so luckily for her, she was visiting us for two days when I tested positive and she made the choice to stay. Uh, she is like an angel, a gift of God. She made the choice to stay and to help us with our kids so that we could outnumber our kids. That's a huge gift. And while she was with us um, during dinner one night, I mean, I'm like a room away in 95 mask, right? I said something super hurtful to her. And like before I could even realize what I was doing, the words were out of my mouth and into her ears and it was hurtful. It was almost like a reflex, you know? It happened that quickly for me and it doesn't matter 
It doesn't matter that I've been through years of therapy trying to detangle the competitiveness that exists between two sisters close in age. And it doesn't matter that my sister and I have been really intentional about being honest with each other so that we could stay close. None of that mattered in the moment. I hurt her. And I apologized quickly. I mean, I think it was within like five minutes. As soon as I was aware of my hurtful ways, I try to stop and and acknowledge it and say I'm sorry of what I just did. But y'all know that it doesn't matter really how well-timed or well-intentioned an apology is. Like that harm happened. We don't get to take it back. This pervasive sin within me the hurtful things that I can say to my sister because I know what button to push, right? I know exactly where to push that is gonna hurt her the most. Sometimes when I'm aware of how captive I am to that sin that has existed since I met my sister and stole her first toy, sometimes I can get defeated. When I'm aware of that, sometimes, y'all, I can just want to throw my hands up in the air and say, what's the point of trying to be good if I'm at, at war within myself with this sin? But then I remember this paradox, that the good came first, that God created us to be good. And yeah, that sin is real. And yeah, it's going to rear its nasty head all the time. But that's just why I need Jesus to put me in right relationship with myself and with the people and with God. Jesus rescues us from ourselves, from sin, and restores us to what God created for good. I may not have some power over some of my sin, but leaning on the strength of Jesus, I can be better. I can make better choices. I can atone for my sin through Jesus. I can ask for forgiveness can lean on my Savior to make it right. So do we got this? Do we got this? No. God does. God is greater than all sin, any sin. God is greater through Jesus. God's got us. And for that, we echo Paul's words, thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm tired of looking for answers. Take me someplace where there's music and there's laughter. I don't know if I'm scared of dying, but I'm scared of living too fast, too slow. Regret, remorse, hold on. Oh no, I've gotta go. There's no starting over, no new beginnings. Time races on, and you just gotta keep on keeping on. Yeah, I'm not going, going, looking straight out on the road. Can't worry about what's behind you, what's coming for you further up the road. Try not to hold on to what is gone. I try to do what's right, it's wrong. I try to keep on keeping on. Yeah, I just keep on keeping on. I 
Install new elders. And here's the statement of ordination. We are called into the church of Jesus Christ by baptism and marked as Christ's own through the Holy Spirit. This is our common calling to be disciples and servants for our servant Lord within the community of the church. Some are called to particular service as ruling elders and teaching elders, and ordination is Christ's gift to the church assuring that ministry continues among us, providing for ministries of caring and compassion in the whole world, ordering the governance of the church and preaching the word and administering the sacraments. Representing the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the session of downtown church now ordains Alex Imgrand, Van Anderson, and Zach King to the office of elder and installs them to active service. Natasha Drozdak has also been nominated, but is unable to attend today due to COVID. We will ordain her at a later time. As our new elders come on stage, let us, uh, let us pray to God. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks. In countless ways, you have revealed yourself in ages past 
and have blessed us with signs of your grace. We praise you that in baptism you give us the Holy Spirit, who teaches us and leads us into all truth, filling us with a variety of gifts, that we might proclaim the gospel to all nations and serve you as a royal priesthood. By your Holy Spirit, renew us, that we may be empowered to do your will and continue forever in the risen life of Christ, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all glory, all honor, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So now we have some questions to ask of our elders. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, acknowledging him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Do you? Alex Van and Zach, do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witnesses to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? Do you? Will you be governed by our church's polity? Will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Do you? Will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? Will you seek to serve the people with energy, with intelligence, with imagination, and with love? Will you? Will you be a faithful elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving and governing bodies of the church and in your ministry? Will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And we have a couple questions for the congregation. Do we, the members of the church, accept Zach, Van, and Alex as elders, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Do we? Do we encourage them? Do we agree to encourage them to respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is the head of the church? Do we? At this time, I'm going to invite current elders to come lay hands on these new elders as we pray for them. Thanks, Mark. That should be an ordination question. Will you catch Dawn? <laughs> you don't have to run. You're okay. Let us pray. God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit on Zach, Van, Alex. May they be your faithful elders in the church. Give them prudence and sound judgment, wisdom and courage to order the life of the church in obedience to your word. Nourish them with the life of the Holy Spirit 
that they may exercise the ministry of discipline with humility and compassion. Guide them in governance on this session and in every court of the church, that they may be servant leaders following you, Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life to set us free. Give them joy in their walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for their work of ministry. Amen. Alex, Van, Zach, you are now elders in the Church of Jesus Christ and specifically to this church, downtown church. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you after the service to come greet your new elders by name to welcome them into this new service. Awesome. <laughs> Take a good hard look at those faces. If you have any problems with downtown church, that's who you should go to. This is time, the normal time in the service where we would do the affirmation of faith and say together the Apostles' Creed, which is just one of many affirmations that we as a church in the Presbyterian Church USA hold dear. And what we're doing this month is going through and picking from different confessions that were written in different times and in different places and reading confessions that fit with the sermon theme, with the myth that we're trying to bust. So today our Confession comes from a brief statement of faith, uh, which was written in 1983 at the reunion of the Northern and Southern Presbyterian Church. It's a little wordy, so I'm going to invite you to just follow along if you'd like to close your eyes or read along in your program as I read the words that were written nearly 40 years ago. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and made everyone equally in God's image, male and female, of every race and people, to live as one community. But we rebel against God. We hide from our creator. Ignoring God's commandments, we violate the image of God in others and ourselves, accept lies as truth, exploit neighbor and nature, and threaten death to the planet entrusted to our care. We deserve God's condemnation, yet God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. In everlasting love, the God of Abraham and Sarah chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth. Hearing their cry, God delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage. Loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant. Like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home. God is faithful still. Amen.
Sin is real, it's personal, it's pervasive, but God is stronger. Jesus returns us to the good God created in us, and for that, we say thanks be to God. So as we go from this time of worship together, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit, may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.